welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. How many happy you came to church this morning? If we just left now, it would have been worth coming, right? But we got a little bit more. You guys got, you guys got a little bit more in you? Yes. Can you guys intake a little bit more word this morning? How many of you were here last week? Good, good, a lot of you. What was the series called that we started last week? That was pretty weak. How many, what was the series called? Days of Noah. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you. Days of Noah. So I get to the opportunity to come up and do part two today. You guys ready for part two? Yes. I'm ready for part two. Um, so we got a lot to get into. So let's start in Genesis 6. We'll recap just briefly before we get into the rest of what God has for us. How many of you accepted and did the challenge that I issued last week? And for those of you, thank you. Saw that. Saw that hand. Saw that hand. Some of you are looking at me like, what was the challenge again? <laughs> Maybe you sh- should write it down next time. No. I'm, but what was the challenge? Increasing our time with God. Right? Increasing our time with God. And I want to clarify something. I did mean more of like our quiet time because everyone should spend a portion of time that they're separate from their phone, separate from people, and spend time with God. Yeah, it's a radical idea, I know. <laughs> but how many know you should also increase your time with God in your, throughout your daily life? When you're in the car, when you're at the store, you should always be communing, communing with him. So I'm going to reissue the challenge up front. I'm going to challenge you, if you didn't listen to, or you weren't here last uh, Sunday, to listen to the message, and then I challenge you to increase your time with God starting tomorrow. If you hadn't done it last week, start it tomorrow. And I'm not going to tell you by how much, okay? You need to see God and, and see what he has for you. Even if it's five, ten minutes, come on. Amen. That'll add up. If it's ten minutes each day, times seven, that's what? That's 70 extra minutes each week. Come on, how many know God can speak to you in 70 minutes, right? He can speak to you in just one minute. All right, so you guys there in Genesis 6? All right, verse 9, it says, This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham. Wouldn't you love to have a name named Ham? (laughs) Hi, I'm Ham. No, you can't eat me. Gross. All right. And Japheth. The earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was what? Corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. So as we stated earlier, I started a series last week called The Days of Noah. And last week, the title of the message was Crazy normal days. Crazy normal days. Why? 
because we studied in Matthew uh, 24 that Jesus said, as in the days of Noah, so it will be when he returns. And what did he say would be happening in those days like what was happening in the days of Noah? Well, he said people would be eating. Can I get an amen? Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for eating. People would be drinking. People would be getting married. People would be doing business. How I many of you does that sound like normal stuff, right? So in the midst of all the um, bad things that Jesus said would take place, he said wars would break out, famines would break out, pestilence would break out. But at the same time, normal life will still be going on. And then I said, breaking news, the, er the world's not ending before Jesus comes back. Okay? Sometimes I think we can look at all the negative and all the bad that's happening and think, oh my gosh, I need to go in a hole and just live there, I guess. I don't know, whatever it is. And I'm not against like, you know, if, if the Lord's leading you to prepare for some things, because right, famines would take place. Come on, sometimes we'll need to prepare for famine. But our outlook shouldn't be like, it's doom and gloom until Jesus returns. Come on, the church is still here. Amen. His body is still in this place, in this earth. And until we're taken out, it can't get as bad as it's going to get. Amen. Um, so the Lord had me zero in on a word up there, verses 11 and 12, that's stated three times. What is that word? Corrupt. Corrupt. It's used three times here. And I thought about, wow, if the Lord's using a word three times, that's pretty important that we get what he's saying here, right? It's a warning. It's emphasis. And he used the word corrupt here, and that word means to pervert. Um, that word can also be translated from the Hebrew as spoiled. Um, it can also be translated ruined, and it can also be trans, excuse me, translated marred. Marred. So I asked him three you use the word three times. And I knew in my spirit he was saying, there are three things, there are three ways, there are three tactics, there are three things that Jesus came to provide that the devil is trying to corrupt in our lives. And then so you don't have to turn there, but you can write it down in your notes. We went to John 14, 6. And John 14, 6 says that Jesus said, I am what? The way the truth and the life. The way, the truth, and the life. So the devil's going to try to corrupt the way in your life. He's going to try to corrupt the truth in your life. Come on, that's happening a lot right now, isn't it? That one's pretty obvious. And he's trying to corrupt life in your life, the abundant life, the life God wants you to experience. Now see that, that word also means the God kind of life. He can't corrupt that, right? Because it's God's life in you. But he can corrupt you ever walking it out in your life. Does that make sense? He can block you from experiencing all the God kind of life that he wants you to experience. So today, we are going to talk about how Satan is trying to corrupt the way. The way in culture, the way in the world, the way in your life, the way in my life. Are you ready for it? All right. Well, before uh, we go any further, I think we should pray and uh, make sure 
we get everything we're supposed to get out of it. So Father God, I thank you, Lord, for today. Help my words to be your words. Help my words not to be my own words. I am your vessel. I am your servant. I am your child. Use me how you want. Help me to speak things straight from heaven and help the people right now to receive all you have for them. In Jesus' name, and everybody said? Amen. Amen. So turn in your Bibles to Exodus 32. Exodus 32. And we are going to start in verse 1. Verse 1, Exodus 32, 1. It's just a few pages over from Genesis in case you're having a bit of trouble. It says, Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered to Aaron. So, little recap Moses is right now on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments and the law from God. And so now they're getting a, a little antsy, a little antsy, and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So apparently they thought God ate him or something. I don't know. They felt abandoned, I guess. But I mean, it was pretty obvious that it was still on the mountain because the mountain still had a big old cloud over it, right? So I don't know. They're like, man, this guy's not coming back. But can I tell you something? I think this was something a few of them had planned all along. This wasn't something that they just thought of in the moment. You know, there, when you have a group of a million plus people, there's always going to be a few bad eggs in it, right? Um, verse 2, Aaron failed. Um, and Aaron said to them, he didn't even try to, like, uh, discourage it. He didn't try to stop them. I don't know if he was afraid. I don't know if they were holding a... Uh, sword to his throat. The Bible doesn't say that. So it sounds like to me like he willingly went along with this. He said, break off golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. Oh, okay. You're going to be a, really a part of this, Aaron. So all the people broke off their golden earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. So he's like, he's in this. He's in this. Then they said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out out of the land of Egypt. <laughs> Woo! Are you serious right now? This is your God who parted the Red Sea? This is your God who provided for you food and water? This is the God that brought you out of Egypt? Are you serious right now? Come on. So when Aaron saw it, that wasn't just enough to build the golden, al- or golden calf. He built an altar before it or for it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Notice it's not all caps, right? If it's all caps, it's using the word Yahweh. Then they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings, peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. That's a nice way of saying they did nasty sexual things as an offering to this God. Okay? So they didn't like play like foosball. 
all right? I'm saying that's just the nice PG way of putting it. So they're doing some not good things. And so the Lord knew about it, obviously. The Lord said to Moses, go get down for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have what? Corrupted themselves. That is the same word used in Genesis. It is the same Hebrew word. They have turned aside quickly out of the what? Out of the way which I have commanded them. They have made for themselves a molded calf and worshiped it, sacrificed to it, and said, this is your God, O Israel, that, you, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen these people, and indeed is a stiff-necked people. <laughs> you wouldn't want that description for your kind of people, right? Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make you a great nation. Wow. I'm calling the title of my message today, Don't Stop an Idol. Now, idol, I'm spelling I-D-O-L, idol. Don't stop an idol. Honestly, last Sunday, I had no idea when I was preaching the message how the Lord was directing this message today. I'm like, Lord, how is the enemy trying to corrupt the way? I have no idea. And he's like, well, I'll, I'll give it to you. How many know it takes faith, right? Yep. It takes faith. It takes you stepping in the direction that he wants for you. Um, but if you've noticed, I, it's, this is Exodus 32. Next, Exodus 32 was a part of our Bible reading plan this week. See why it's important for you to do what God has instructed you to do? Come on, somebody. Isn't it important to do what God has instructed you to do? Why? You need to write this down. Because in your obedience are your answers. Did you just hear what I said? I said, in your obedience are your answers. You'd be like, well, God never told me to read the chapter of the day. Well, if, if this is your church, God instructed our pastor to have a chapter a day in the Bible reading plan. So you see, God's not always just gonna speak directly to you. He'll also speak through people you're supposed to be under in your life. Amen? Did you catch that? See, if I hadn't been doing what God had instructed me to do through pastor, I would not have gotten the message today. Does that make sense? If I had not been in the Bible reading plan doing what God had already told me to do, then I wouldn't have gotten this message today. And I want to encourage you today, focus on what God has told you. Because when you're obedient to what God has told you, you're going to have answers for your future. You're going to get the answers you're looking for. So let's put up verse 7 again. We'll reemphasize that. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, Go get down, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. I was talking with Emily, uh, a staff member, this week, and I'm like, it is so cool to see Moses and God kind of like going back and forth at each other. 
They both didn't want to claim the people. If you keep reading, Moses turns it around and he's like, no, Lord, your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt. And God's like, no, your people. Nobody wants to claim these people. But I love to see that relationship between God and Moses. And did you know you can have that and more with him? And it says, they have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. So obviously I'm reading the Bible reading plan and verses seven and eight just like jump off the page. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that is it. That's it. It couldn't be more clear to me. The enemy will try to corrupt God's way in your life by tempting you with idolatry. That is the key. That's the whole premise of the next few moments of the message, okay? Satan's going to try to corrupt the way in your life by tempting you into idolatry. And you might be thinking, well, I don't worship idols. I don't have a bunch of golden statues around my house. I don't have a golden fat Buddha that I rub the belly of. That's not all idolatry is, though, okay? It's a little bit different today in our society. I like this, uh, this quote by Tim Keller. It says it all. He says, an idol is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and your imagination more than God. And anything that you seek to give you what only God can give you. Did you catch that? I'll read it again. I know it's kind of a long quote. An idol is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything that you seek to give you what only God can give you. Now, when I read that, I'm sure a lot of us are, might be starting to think about maybe something that maybe we've idolized, right? See, when you place something in your life above God, it's actually worship. You're actually worshiping something or someone above God. You know God's number one in your life? But just because he should be num number one in your life doesn't mean we always make him number one in our life. And this is subtle, okay? It's subtle. I mean, this is a big deal to God. If we're talking about the law, the first two of the Ten Commandments have to do with idolatry. Did you notice that? What's, what's the first, first commandment? You shall have no other gods before me, right? And if that wasn't enough, he took a whole other commandment to explain what that means. You shall not have any carved image of any likeness. And this is it. You must not bow down or serve them. So they're failing right off the bat, okay? Right off the bat, first two commandments, done. Uh, fail. Israelites got an F for the day. Really, we could have done a whole series on this. And maybe one day we will. It's a very big topic. Very big topic. But today I want to focus on three idols we need to watch out for in today's culture, in today's world, to make sure that um, our way, the God, that God's way for us doesn't become corrupted. Are you ready for the first one? Okay. And I'm using the word worship um, to, 
to begin each of these points. So the first point is worshiping your genius over God's genius. Worshiping your genius over God's genius. Wow, do not we see this happening in today's world. So many people, humanity as a whole, we think we are so smart. We think we are so smart, we think we are so bright. This thinking has caused us to think that we don't need God. And by we, I'm talking about the human race as a whole, not us in here today, amen, right? I'm talking about humanity as a whole. But how many of you know we're not as smart as we think we are? (laughs) We're not as smart as we think we are. In fact, a lot of the things we think we're so smart about are actually labeled as theories, right? Because at the end of the day, none of us can really say what happened at the beginning of existence, right? Why? Because we weren't there. You know, it takes faith to believe. Any way you go, whether it's the Big Bang or, or creation, or it doesn't matter, we were not all there. So either way, it takes faith to believe either one. You see, the golden calf was the people's making, wasn't it? It was their idea. Really, they weren't just worshiping an image, they were worshiping themselves. They were worshiping themselves. I'm sure they felt super proud about how it looked. Oh yeah, look at that calf. Mm, That's a good looking calf right there. Look how gold it is. Look at how nice it is. Let's make an altar for it, Let's, let's elevate it. Mm. See, we need to watch out for this too, don't we? A lot of times we place our grand genius, our grand idea, quotations, our grand accomplishments above God, and we place it on the altar of our heart. It's really easy to do, isn't it? I'm going to be honest, I've done this. I've done this. I'm sure all of us have done this to a degree. But how many of you know the grand idea, the grand accomplishment, your skills to play a guitar, to sing, to to do business the way you do, to be a doctor? I mean, whatever it is, the gifts, talents, the accomplishments that you've had, really, isn't it all from God? Isn't it? Even if you have a lot of money, Who gave you the power to get wealth? God, right? Maybe you're a super smart doctor, but who gave you the smarts to be a doctor? God. Even me doing this right now, if the anointing lifted, you wouldn't want me up here, right? I'd be just a blabbering like dude and didn't know what to say and didn't know what to do and blah, 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 blah. If the giftings, if the anointing lifted off of what you do, you wouldn't be as good at it. it. In fact, you might be downright awful at it, right? So any time we accomplish something great, any time we have an idea that makes our business flourish or our family flourish, who should get the credit? God, right? Now, good on you, good on me for obeying, right? because we still have our part to do, but the credit goes to God. 
Let another man praise you. Don't ever praise yourself, right? And we got to watch out about this. This one is sneaky. They're all sneaky, what I'm going to tell you today. But think about this too. If your hearts start beating, there you go, right? There goes that grand idea. There goes that grand accomplishment. And how many of you thankful your heart's beating this morning? You're not doing it on your own, right? No, God is. God is. Say, God, God gets, gets the glory. glory. Say, I, I refuse, refuse to worship, to worship my, genius. my genius. Turn to your neighbor, say he's talking to you. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that, especially if you're married. Your, your spouse is, well, if you're the guy, your spouse is smarter than you. Just leave it at that, okay? Amen? All right, we need to get to the second one here. All right. Really, we could have done a whole sermon just on that point, but we need to keep moving here. So Exodus 14, go back a few pages. There were so many examples of this that I just had a tough time picking, but I believe this is the one the Lord wanted us for this point. So Exodus 14.10. Exodus 14.10, it says, and when Pharaoh drew near, so just so you know, this is the Israelites coming to the Red Sea, okay? The Red Sea parting's about to happen. And behold, the Egyptians marched after them, so they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Hey, I just gotta say one thing. There was ground in Egypt, right? Dig a hole, boom, there's your grave. Come on. Why have you dealt with us so to bring us up out of the land of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt? Be like, we told you this, Moses. We, we said this. Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Really? So my second point is worshiping the past, worshiping the past so you miss your future. Isn't this what they were doing? This one is huge. Worshiping the past so you miss your future. How many times do we magnify the past? How many times do we really do it? Here's a few examples that I, that I could think of. Maybe you could think of better ones or different ones, but things like, well, back in my day, I used to squat 650. Well, right now you can't even squat 50, all right? What about this one? We used to do so much more volume of work when I worked in your position. I used to get that one at my last job. You're like, oh, really? Okay. Or this one. My wife just doesn't make me happy like she used to. Oh, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. For a long time, church grows. Okay, if you're new today, this one probably doesn't apply to you. But back in the good old days when Brother Hagen was around... Oh, can I tell you something, Rayma? Uh, when I was there to get ordained, the fiftieth camp meeting, this was a topic that they brought up frequently. I think they hear a lot about the past at Rayma, and you know what? The the grandkids they got bold. They said, "No, Rayma's best days are not behind us. Rayma's best days are ahead of us." Faith Heights Church best days are not behind us. 
Faith Heights Church best days are ahead of us. Amen? See, some of these sayings are inherently bad. In fact, sometimes we'll probably say that like if a young person is like, oh my gosh, I do so much. Okay? They're not inherently bad. But I'm talking about the heart here. They become wrong when we start to really do truly believe and think that our best days are behind us. What are we really telling God in that moment? What are we telling God in that moment? We're telling him, you can't do better. Ooh. Now, we're not trying to do that, right? But if we're saying everything he did in the past is as good as it's going to get, come on, isn't God bigger than the past? Doesn't God say he wants to do a new thing? Don't focus on yesterday's new thing. Focus on tomorrow's new thing. He wants to do, in fact, not even tomorrow, he wants to do a new thing today. Amen? Amen? So let's just get totally honest, as if I'm not being honest up here. The past usually is never as good as we remember it. You need to write that down (laughs) and remember that. The past is usually as never good as you remember it. Look at the Israelites. Look, look. They hated being in Egypt. If you read back a few chapters, they hated it. In fact, it was because of their crying, their sobbing, their, oh my God. That's what God heard. And so then he called Moses to deliver them. The Bible says he came because of their crying out to him. He heard them from heaven. So to say that they had it better in Egypt, is that really true? It's not true at all. Can I tell you what? This was the first of many statements that they made like this. You'll find out as we keep reading our Bible reading plan, they keep bringing this up over and over and over again. In fact, the farther we get from the time they were in Egypt, the more uh, gooder, I should say, they remember Egypt being. (laughs) How many can relate to that? See, if they would have stopped right there, see, they were stopped right there. They stopped right there and they were remembering the past, a past that wasn't as good as they made it out to be. If they would have stopped right there, turned around and be like, forget this, we're going back to Egypt. Did you know they never would have seen the Red Sea part? Do you realize that? This is their moment right here. They either can keep going or they can turn back. They can turn back. I'm telling you today, you are closer to your breakthrough than you think you are. Did you just hear what I said? I said, you are closer to your breakthrough than you think you are. Come on, the Red Sea was right there. They just had to walk through it. They were so close to their miracle. What if they would have stopped and turned back? Let me ask you, how many times do we stop and go back? Maybe that's the reason we haven't seen breakthrough. Maybe that's the reason we haven't seen the the manifestation occur. Maybe we're going back. Maybe we're looking back. I know we joke about, you know, if you're driving a car and uh, you were so focused on the rear view mirror, you weren't focused on the windshield and you're driving, right? Well, I got one worse. What if you're like this, your your head's out the window. Are you going to be able to drive? No. What are you going to have to do? Stop. 
you cannot drive like that unless you're gonna die, right? You can't drive that way. It's the same thing in life. You can't keep moving forward while looking back at your past, good or bad, amen? Some of us in here today, we stop and look back and all the bad things that we think disqualify us from moving into our future And then there's some of us that think, that look back on all the good things that have happened in our life and think that's as good as it's going to get. Both will stop you. What's my title today? Don't stop and idle. Don't stop. We got to keep moving forward. Say, I'm going to keep moving forward. forward. I refuse refuse to to look back. Amen. Me too. All right. Our last point, let's get to Numbers 13. It's like, uh, um, what's that fish in Nemo? Not Nemo, the other one. Dory, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep going. Because your future is better than your past. Even if your past was super good, super good, your future is better. Amen? Amen? Numbers 1330, verse 30, it says, so... Caleb quieted the people before Moses. So they had just sent out spies into the land. Okay? They just sent out spies um, into the promised land that God said was theirs. So Caleb's having to quiet the people. He said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Yes! That wasn't what everybody else thought. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. They gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, who came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. My third point, our last idol that we need to make sure we don't yield to, is worshiping the problem over the provider. Worshiping the provider over the problem. Or, or excuse me, worshiping the problem over the provider. Now, these are all subtle. These are all easy. But I got to I gotta tell you, in my life, this is probably one of the easiest ones to yield to because I can be doing it for a period of time before I notice that I'm actually doing it. No problem is bigger than God. Let me say that again. No problem is bigger than God. Amen? No problem is bigger than God. The issue is, is that the problem, more often than not, is what we can see with our eyes, right? Whether it's uh, physically or financially or relationally, it doesn't matter. It's usually, most of the time, it's something that we can see with our physical eyes. But how many know we must get our focus off of the seen world and onto the unseen world. You know, the unseen world, pastor has said it, is more real than this world. This world, this universe was birthed out of what was not seen. That's why the Bible says we must live by faith and not by sight. 
We need to fix our eyes on him. Look up. Look up at him. Don't focus on the giant that's in front of you. Focus on the God who's bigger than the giant. So here's the thing about problems, okay? When you magnify the problem, you see it worse than it actually is. (laughs) When you magnify the problem, you see it worse than it actually is. And not only that, the more you magnify the problem, the giant gets bigger and bigger and bigger. You're making it bigger than it actually is. See, isn't it funny? This is actually the opposite of what happens when we magnify the past. Isn't that interesting? A lot of times the past, we, we find it better than it actually is. But with the problem, the enemy works the angle of it's actually worse than it actually is. He'll work either angle on you. See, today we're actually exposing the enemy. You see that? And this isn't to, um, this, this sermon today, this message is not to, you know, beat you up or anything like that but it's to help us identify and remember these are the ways that he's gonna try to disrupt the way God has for you in your life. Do you know God has a way for you? God has a path for you. God has a direction for you. And did you know the enemy's gonna do whatever he can to knock you off of that course, knock you off of that way? Isn't that what he tried to do with the Israelites? Come on, he said they corrupted themselves and they veered off the way that God had commanded them that God had told them. So the devil will work either angle on on you. I'm gonna be honest, this is probably the one our family has had to fight with Isaac and his state and what happened to him. For those of you who don't know, Isaac, my brother-in-law had a stroke in April, multiple strokes actually. And did you know when you're taking care of an individual like that, you have to watch out because all you see is his current state. Now, he's a lot better than he was three months ago. Praise God. Amen? So much better. In fact, um, nurses that have been, you know, watching him and stuff, they called it a miracle. But we're not stopping here. We're, We're expecting him to get to where he was, and actually not where he was, but even better than where he was. Amen? But the thing is, is day in and day out, and actually, you know, probably Miss Carla has had to deal with it more than anybody else looking at, because that's all she sees. That's all we see is him in that state. But we have to fix our eyes off of him in his state and focus on his future state and what the word says. Amen? Amen. Take our eyes off of the giant and our eyes on the provider. Our eyes off of the issue and our eyes onto God because we walk by faith and not by sight. So I'm just being honest, this is one that we've had to watch out for. Maybe I'm doing too much in speaking for them, but I guess I can say for me, okay? For me, because at the end of the day, we refuse to make an idol out of his state, out of the problem, and we, we purpose to subject that condition and that idol to the word of God. And whatever that is in your life, subject it to the King of Kings. Subject it to the Lord of Lords. Come on, David. David didn't fight that Goliath by himself. Who did he have with him? 
the God of angel armies, the great and mighty God. Woo, that's who you have fighting your problem with you. Amen? So let's stop making the giant. It's like we take like, a, like if the giant was inflatable and every time we complain about it, every time we worry about it, every time we magnify, it's like we're just pumping up the giant and he's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And pretty soon a nine foot giant's a 32 foot giant because of what we did. We made the giant bigger. The giant didn't get bigger by eating more. No, we make the giant bigger. Let's purpose to not make our giants any bigger than they are, amen? amen. And besides, any giant is just a little teeny, 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 tiny ant compared to our great and mighty God, amen? amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I want to close with this statement. When we make an idol out of a problem or an issue in our life, it can cause us to not enter into the promised land. Isn't that what happened with the Israelites here? They complained one too many times. I don't know about you, but I'd rather not tiptoe along the line and accidentally cross it over. I'd rather stay clear of the line. They complained a little too much. It was the last straw with God. And they did not enter the promised land. This generation, I should say, this generation of Israelites did not enter the promised land because they magnified their problem so much. And honestly, it was just, God couldn't take it anymore. He's like, what more do you want from me? Look at all the things that I've done for you. Look at all the things that, that you've seen. How would you not think that I would do what I said I would do and deliver this land unto you? Come on, the Lord goes before you and he fights for you. Your promised land is yours. I said, your promised land is yours. All the promises of God, like I said earlier, are yes and amen. They're yours. Let's not complain about our problems. Let's not magnify our problems. But let's shift our focus, amen? Shift our focus from the issue to our God. So let's recap. What are the three idols we need to watch out for today that'll disrupt our way? Number one, worshiping your genius, over God's genius. Worshiping your genius over God's genius. Number two, worshiping the past so you miss your future. And number three, worshiping the problem over the provider. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, maybe we've done, maybe you, maybe, maybe even me have done some of these things. Why don't we just get right with God right now in this moment? Why doesn't everybody bow their heads close their eyes and just start to commune with God. Start to ask him for, for insight, for, for maybe areas where you've gone astray. Maybe you've magnified the past too much. Maybe in the negative way, maybe in the positive way. It doesn't matter. Either way, the past is not greater than the future. Maybe you have magnified uh, your genius over God's genius. Maybe you've made that an idol in your life, all the, the accomplishments and the great things that you've done. Let's, let's get that off the altar of our heart today. Let's get it off. Father God, we, we ask you right now in Jesus' name, hallelujah, I ask that you show us any idol 
that we've placed in our lives above you. Any idol that we have allowed to ourselves to worship. And Lord, in Jesus' name, we repent. We repent right now in Jesus' name. We declare you are the only God that deserves to be on the altar of our heart. You're the only God that we choose to magnify. We don't purpose and choose to magnify anybody else or anything else but you. Why don't you repeat after me? Say, Father God, I repent of any idol that I've put above you, that I have allowed myself to worship. Forgive me. I repent. Thank you for forgiving me. Help me to recognize if I do this in the future, I purpose to walk in your way that you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, why don't we stand up and let's give him worship at this time. Hallelujah, please don't leave if you don't have to at this time. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father God. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, I guess the praise team's doing another song. Praise the Lord. Oh, Pastor. Oh, no, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Would you guys enjoy the message today? Amen. I don't know when I'll have the opportunity to come up again. We got a few guest speakers and stuff, but... Um, I think it's either we're going to talk, I don't know if we're going to go in order, way, truth, life, or if we might jump to life, because I already got a ton of stuff for life. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. So just be believing. Pray, pray for us. Pray, pray for the people who come up and preach, because we need your prayers. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 